Fight! Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. Alright, so to start today, I'm talking to Oscar, who is going to be visiting us again back in San Diego. What's convenient is that your co-host right here, Anoop, is also going to be in town during that time. And that's going to be cool to get in some training with Oscar. And I hope you're keeping up with your conditioning, Oscar, since we are going to get a lot of training in when you're here. And I think we're going to Instagram live it. So that should be kind of fun. Uh, we'll also have previous guests, Craig there, uh, future guest Manny. I think I'm going to try to be getting in there too. So it should be pretty cool, almost like a podcast reunion of us all rolling or whatever form of combat Oscar wants to engage and I'm down. But yeah, Oscar, let's see if you can uh, square up with a nuke too. I think he's up for a good challenge. Yeah, I'm excited to roll with uh, you and all your friends, especially Craig. Since Craig is my size, I'm like excited to feel Craig's strength though, because mm. he's twice as strong as me and super powerful. So I think it'll be fun to roll with him. And uh, yeah, just meet some of these people I'm hearing about through you, Arturo. Yeah, for sure. What's funny is uh, the last few times I've kind of been on the side of the mat watching Craig roll. Every time I got rolls, it's really exciting to watch. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about his style or his scrambles. I'm led to believe it's just because he's a professional wrestler and what he does is just naturally entertaining. Like maybe he just gravitates towards lots of movement and just like wild reversals and stuff but a jiu-jitsu game is like the same thing so watching it is just really exciting to watch so yeah there's two points i want to make based on what you said one i think you do see people's personalities on the mat mm. so i like what you said about entertaining and i compare like when people first start doing jujitsu a little bit i'm like it's like dancing so if you like look nervous you, you could tell you're nervous, you know, when somebody's dancing and you could tell yes. if somebody's comfortable when they're dancing. And I kind of tell people like, don't try too hard. Just see what happens, happens. So yeah, I could see that about Craig. And then the second thing I wanted to say is like for any of my friends or people that are listening that don't really do martial arts, it's like the fastest way to make friends. You know, like once you find out like somebody does, uh, it's like when you're a kid and you're like, oh, you also like trucks and then you become best friends like right away. I think it's like that with adults and like jujitsu or MMA or boxing where it's like oh you also do that I feel like I'm kind of friends with some of these people that you know already just seeing their Instagrams and like who they are but it'll be fun to roll with them and get to know them deeper yeah like I also have friends that are like oh if you ever do boxing I'm down and stuff and I'm always like all right man like you 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 know where I'm gonna be like just tell me I think a lot of people just like to say that <laughs> but if you're listening and you do want to throw hands too okay come on through just message us Let's talk about Ben Askren and Jake Paul, because I think that's what everyone's talking about right now. So we'll start there. Yeah. So as a couple of episodes ago, I said this was the fight I was most looking forward to. That's so and funny. I was excited by it. But the shitty part is that Arturo was right. <laughs> it mm -hmm. did end super fast. And I am saddened for the MMA community a bit. I hate mm. The fact well, we that we both like, are, I, I'm with you on this. We both are saddened by this. I mean, I knew Paul was gonna win, but I wanted Ben to win. Good, continue. Yeah, yeah I, I should say that. You, I can't bet against something I care about. Arturo has this ability to like divide and be like, all right, I'll make money, whatever. And so, Arturo did take $25 from me. I just <laughs> always have to bet with my heart. And uh, yeah, I was a bit saddened, but I feel like yesterday was also. It was like the whole fight world coming together. And I also felt like I was a part of the internet because half of me was like, I have to watch this Jake Paul, uh, Ben Askren circus show. And the whole mm -hmm. show was a circus, but then also I had the UFC on too. I should respect the UFC and watch it. But then this car crash of an event was also so exciting. It was just so hard to divide. And all the comments, everybody felt the same way. And so I like, cause I was also on the Instagram and like mm -hmm. hustling this. And I just felt like everybody feels the same way about this. And it just <laughs> made me feel about the community a little. Yeah. So, I, I mean, as soon as I put the Ben Asker and Jake Paul thing on, I just saw it was like 
think the first thing I saw was like Pete Davison. Like there's like a slap like contest thingy. I'm like, yo, what do I have the right? Like, what is this? So I was like, I'm going to put this on mute. I was watching UFC anyway. I was watching the early prelims. I'm crazy like that at times. So yeah, I was just going to watch UFC. I also like the commentating team for UFC. Sometimes I put things on mute when I don't, but I like Dominic Cruz and Bisping as commentators. But anyway, so I'm watching UFC and I keep the Jake Paul, Ben Askren thing on mute all the way up until Ben Askren, Jake Paul, like literally like even like after they're being announced. But the whole time I just saw like, even when I would like glance over, it just seemed ridiculous. Like it seemed like there was like six commentators or something. Like how is that going to be organized? <laughs> and then during the Ben Askren, Jake Paul fallout, I actually heard them talk and they're all like, hi, they have nothing to do with like boxing or I don't even know who the half of them were. Okay, so I should interject because I did the exact opposite of Arturo. I put the UFC on mute and I didn't really <laughs> care about any of the prelims or anything. I just turned it on once Robert Whitaker, Kevin Galston fought. Mm. But I was listening and watching to the whole thriller event with like uh, deep insight. Because to me, the way I look at this, I feel like this is a reflection of society and I'm part of that society where it's like, I have the opportunity to look at something that's like really classy. And even though people don't look at the UFC as classy, it's a well done professional organization with people that have trained for at least five to eight years, pretty much doctors of their sport competing yep. and done as an art form. Or I could just watch the porn version of fighting, which is mm. what Triller was. And I just feel like this is society. It's like, oh, yeah, like porn, car crashes, circus events, like, you know, like. Like there was less, there was more performances from musical artists than there was matches. I don't know how they're affording all these musical artists, too, because it was Snoop, E-40, Too Short, Ice Cube, Doja Cat. I saw that it got 1.3 million pay-per-view buys. Some people are saying it might go up to 2 million. And that doesn't wow. count all the people that just streamed the fight and stole the fight. And then all the people that watched the super fast fight, because it was only a minute anyway. I just feel like uh, it was fun to watch, but it was also sad. Oscar De La Hoya was like on cocaine. They were all screaming. You know, when you're in high school and somebody smokes weed and everybody's like, oh my God, they're like smoking weed on contact high. Like it just felt mm -hmm. fake. And that's the way they were talking. Like the announcer kept going like, are you feeling this? Are you still high from this? You know, and it was just uh, like, it was just like over and over again. It was a little cheesy. And in fact, in one of the undercard fights, while the fight was going on, Pete Davidson apparently came in late. And so while he's coming in, they put the camera off of the fight into Pete Davidson coming in, shaking hands with like AC Slater. Oh my gosh. Like, the worst production, but in a way, it was like hilarious and kind no, of just it's, like yeah. it's suiting for the crowd though that's kind of how it is yeah they probably had more interest in that anyway it was like complaining they were like is this for real because i think most people were still somewhat fight fans it mm. was like a half and a half like there's i was still wanting to watch the boxing match if it was just a concert i would never watch it but it's still ben asker and jake paul so i was like let me oh, look at it Too funny is this the future of fight sports? Because now the last million dollar event that I think million person uh, pay-per-view that the UFC had involved Connor. Like this isn't Jake Paul and Ben Askren. And Ben Askren made so much money. This is like, it seems like the future. I mean, I'm, I'm still fine with, I'm going to make a lot of money off this then because this is easy predictions for me. You were boxed when I was like round two KO and you're like, no way. Yeah, man. It happened in round one. I know. It, it, was a, it was a terrible stoppage, though. He got up. He was fine. Yeah, he would have. I think he would have been dropped again before the round's over. Maybe. I also saw, like, some flailing from Jake Paul. I thought he could have gotten tired. Like, I like the way, like, Astrid was clinching. I was like, all right, maybe he could, as Chael said, turn this into, like, just, like, a competition. Yeah, a lot of what ifs, I suppose, there. But in either instance, Jake Paul's moving on. So now the question becomes, what do you think is next for him? Well, I think you're going to see a lot more MMA fighters 
that are out of shape and no longer in the higher echelon organizations that are going to go to these boxing sideshows to make some money. We saw Frank Mir there yesterday. I love Frank Mir and yeah, Frank, Frank Mir super. He lost. Yeah, he lost. He he tried hard, but you could also tell maybe he wasn't in the best shape. But uh, I think I think you're going to see a lot of these people that no longer are at the highest levels of the UFC. So you think it'll be an MMA fighter? Yeah, I think it might be someone like Nick Diaz, like somebody that's been out of the sport a while. Like okay. that's like that they're they're handpicking the right people. They're doing the smart thing, right? Like I'm not saying Jake Paul should be fighting the best. But they're trying to find people with big names that that are smaller than them that they can match up decently well with. Now, Nick Diaz has great boxing and boxes, spars with people like Andre Ward. So I don't think it'll be like Nick Diaz, but I'm thinking somebody in that vein. Okay. So you don't think there's a possibility that it's a boxer? Maybe an older famous boxer. I don't think he could go back to celebrity now. So that's what I was thinking, is maybe a boxer that's been out of the game a while but that still has a name that can draw. But I don't think they want to risk going against a boxer boxer. I mean, there's also a risk of the Hall of Fame boxer also losing to Jake Paul. Like, that's a huge risk too, is it not? Yeah, but I think the people that are generally surrounding these YouTubers and young talents are people that are a little bit wiser. So I feel like what, I feel like they're going to always hedge their bets. And right now there's a lot. All right, I'm going to make you think about this. You've seen Jake well, Paul's coach. Yeah, but well, you've seen who he hangs out with. Are they really that smart or are they just really taking charge? Both. I think it's like, I'm not saying that they're smart, but I'm, I'm talking about the people above the people that are around Jake Paul. I'm talking about like the people that are actually like, all right, this is who's going to be the fight. Like the things that you don't see. I'm not sure they're looking at a long-term Jake Paul just yet. I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't, I think the way these billionaires think is different than the way we think. They're thinking like way down the road, one step, two step, three step, four step. And I think well, how about right this? Now, if, if that was the case, then why go Ben Askren on the third fight? Because you could have gone from Nate Robinson to, I don't know, pick Shaq or. No, no. Shaq's like, going to murder him. What do you mean Shaq's 320 oh, really? pounds? You think Shaq wins that fight? This is interesting now. Shaq is a monster yes and Shaq has some combat experience he's like, also he, old and slow and he doesn't really have combat experience let's stop kidding ourselves here Jake Paul's a uh, real boxer okay so this is what I have this is also what it, a lot of this comes down to it comes down to money Shaq has hundreds of millions of dollars there's a lot of pro broke boxers. okay but I think there's even more pro broke MMA people Ooh. I think it's all about the money. And I think right now when it comes to interest and like who has the most clout online and fame, it's MMA. MMA is more popular right now. Yeah. And so I think that's the other reason they're picking these MMA fighters. So Ben Askren was perfect. As we said, Ben Askren might have the worst striking in MMA yeah, history. But, but, but if we're going to talk about like building up Jake Paul, why go from Nate Robinson to Ben Askren? Why not do like Nate Robinson? another like big in shape celebrity or something like you can move up the totem pole on celebrities with really athletic backgrounds and keep murking on them before you go into Ben Askren. Like Ben Askren looks like a big jump for the third fight on paper. Exactly. And that's, you just answered your question. It looks like a big jump. Ben Askren was an Olympian. Now we could just say I beat an Olympian as but opposed is, to like I beat a celebrity. Yeah, you're just thinking in terms of like historic pedigree. No, no, no. If you're thinking billionaire, you're thinking, how do I make the most money over the long term? You don't get yeah. them like, you don't think but, like, oh, I'm just going to get them the 10 biggest fights I can. No, 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 no. You're actually thinking 30 fights, 40 fights if you're looking at like a long boxing career. But this is what I'm saying. To get those extra fights, now J Jake Paul has legitimacy because he's beaten a real fighter. You know, like Ben Askren was the perfect mark for them. MMA, terrible striking. Terrible striking. But incredible fight pedigree. And look, everything is about how you manipulate the media and the narrative. And right now, what they're going to manipulate is, holy shit, Jake Paul beat a former MMA champion. And most people are not going to look into like what kind of champion Ben Askren was. They're just going to think, Holy shit, Jake Paul beat the fuck out of an MMA champion.
okay, but you don't think people would have said the same exact thing if he beat up like a football player? People would have been like, oh shit, he's beating up a football player. Then, oh, then he's beating up a fighter. Like there's definitely a way to prolong this a lot more. Like Ben Askren was a big jump. And then it's like, you've only got so many more jumps before you're going to have to deal with like professional level boxers. Like you're, yes, you're not, you're I, not going to go with a no name professional boxer right now. And yet I don't think you're ready for a big name professional boxer. Now you're in this I, area of like, well, what do you do? You got to you have something, you need someone with clout. And it's like, do you go MMA or do you go boxing? Like I, for me, it's like, you have to go either retired former boxer, like in a holy field or something like that, or pick not that holy fields broke, but maybe he is or not. I have no, no but- idea, but there's a list of broke boxers retired that I'm sure would make a good fight. Do you go with like the BJ Penn who calls him out or yes, that's yeah. okay. That's the fight. Cause BJ Penn fought normally at 155. He'll be around 170. BJ Penn, they'll call him like this great street oh, no, fighter BJ's as well. A lot more than 170. Yeah, now, but I'm just saying, when he was in his prime, similar with Askren. Askren weighed in at, what, 190, but he always fought at 170 and 184. Yeah, I would so, bet that BJ comes in at, like, 200 if that fight but, happens. So that's exactly the type of fight they want. That's the next fight. That's the right fight for them. I mean... I agree with you. They don't want to have too many jumps. They got to keep doing these small jumps with I mean, good names. Okay, so do you think... Do you think BJ's known right now? No, but there are enough highlights of BJ Penn and they could say a two-time UFC champion that did have incredible boxing at one point. Like they could put that in a 30-second trailer. That'll get me fucking hyped. Everybody hyped. Oh gosh, I don't know. Like that's tough. I'm not sure because like does does he have more star power than Ben Askren? He at one time did for sure, but be too far gone. You're right. I'm just saying it's in that vein. Yeah, I'm not saying who it's going to be. It's that type of person that's naturally smaller than him, that competed at a smaller weight, that is in MMA, that has some clout, has a history of relevance, but is now somewhat of a shell of themselves. And he's going to keep doing this. And it's such a great strategy because I'm going to watch all this of is them. so funny how long we're talking about Jake Paul. All right, so let me ask you another question. What if it was like an older guy, but a former box? What if it's Butterbean? Would Butterbean you watch would that? murder him. Yes, I definitely okay, okay. watch All right, so it seems like almost anyone who has had any combat experience, you kind of want to see him in. I mean, hand-to-hand combat experience. I'm not going to throw in like a wrestler versus him. You know, it's, not that again. I'll watch any fight. Like if there's <laughs> a fight happening, as long as I don't like well, one of the Well, someone persons, you know. As long as somebody I know or if somebody I hate. If it's somebody I hate, then I just want to watch them lose. If it's somebody that I know, I want to watch them win. This is why playing the bad guy is so important. This is why this, I'll go back. If, if Craig, if you're listening, see, heels run the show, man. Yep. And, and I'm a good guy like Craig in the sense, but I know I love watching the bad guy. And this is why mm-hmm. I compared it to a car crash. I compared it to porn. I compared it to just, not that these things are bad, but it's just some deep instinct within us where it's just like, I got to fucking watch it. And you don't even feel good watching it, but you still do. Oh, I do. And I, do. I, I, I don't feel guilt for watching any fight. I feel well, you know, unless guilt. someone's getting like seriously hurt. But I, when I mean like watching a fight, I mean like, you know, two willing participants. Yeah, two willing. Mutual combat. Yeah. But this is, I do feel a little bit of guilt. Like, you know, philosophy of fighting. Like, it's like we should be talking about martial arts and these things, but we should be talking about everything. And part of the part of all fighting is the business. And you're right about a lot of boxers being broke. A lot of athletes in general are broke. I just saw that, yeah, this Ben Askren was the perfect mark. Horrible striking, but a name, a good promoter in and of himself. Yeah, Jake Paul took him out. And now Jake Paul's stock is rising dramatically. All right, so now let's go to the next question, which, you know, you know that I believed this last fight. Do you think Jake Paul has pro-level skills? Semi-pro. But that's that's anybody that's only had, like, four fights. Like, yeah, he fought two YouTubers, a basketball player that is really short and small. Yeah, but you have to look at what you're seeing because this is where you play that strength of schedule game. Like, if Floyd Mayweather was going to go to the local gym 
and he murked everyone in the first round, you'd be like, oh, Floyd's no good. He just murked these three amateurs. No, he did exactly the job he's supposed to. Like how, how much of a better job can he do with that schedule? Do you know what I mean? All you can do is assess on like what you see in terms of like technique and talent. His timing, like all of that is good. He has talent. I just also haven't seen that many boxers that are that young that I could compare him to. So it's hard. You know, he's decent, but I'm not going to say he's like pro level because if he was pro level, he'd be fighting pros. No, I mean, well, this is where it's all about draw because if you're going to fight some five and oh pro that no one names what's the point where's the money in that i agree but that's what i'm saying what we're talking about is money we're not talking about skills well i'm talking about jake paul's skills and now i'm telling you he has the skills of a five and oh maybe even a ten and oh pro boxer okay sure but most boxers that fight ten and oh they're fighting cans in the beginning too that's what i'm saying he's like a pro like a semi-pro right. but he's not like i'm not hey, saying that's he's pro, like pro baby that's pro because a lot of people weren't saying that the last fight. I'm still not even saying it. I don't care. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on riding. So the next Jake Paul match, it seems like I'm going to bet on Jake Paul again. You're going to bet against him. And I'll thank you the next time. <laughs> in, in fact, the person that I should I just do the person that I want to fight this week because is Jake Paul. Wow. And I'm, I'm not trying to box him. I'm trying to just chain wrestle, do like low ankle picks and just and i want to wrestler. His, i what happened he wrestled oh yeah he was a wrestler he would fuck me up Good i don't luck. care i still want to i still want to compete against him i want to as there are levels to this game like i just want to see what would happen if we went to the ground like yeah i want to feel his wrestling um i, I want to feel how strong he is like i just don't think he's I, I just need to know for myself because I can't tell any other way. Mm, that's funny. So I want to get into this Tyrone Woodley thing. There was a lot of like heat backstage between uh, Jake Paul's coach kind of saying how he doesn't know anything about boxing. You don't know about these gloves. You don't want to put these on. Tyrone Woodley's like, yo, I'm a five-time world champ. It's so crazy. And like, I'm a bigger draw than you are, dude. Like such a weird thing to say to Tyrone Woodley. I don't know, especially because Tyrone Woodley is known for having a monstrous hand. And he's like, he's an, a, like a real fighter, not just a boxer, not to minimize boxing, but let's, let's be real. They're way more dynamic MMA fighters. Mm -hmm. uh, the person that called out Tyrone Woodley is Jay Leon Love. Mm. he's a uh, 5'10 he has a boxing record of 29 and 3 he has an amateur record of 115 and 5 uh, he was in the super middleweight division so he has talent and he has oh, yeah. skills and he's definitely a fighter but yeah you see these boxers calling out these MMA fighters to fight in boxing because they know that the MMA fighters don't have money and that they can win in the boxing ring they're That's just trapping not, yep. all these mma fighters mm -hmm. and that and then it comes down to fighter pay that's what's driving all this because you won't see a boxer step into mma because one they'll get crushed murdered and two there's no sense because it makes way less money and just to go full irony about this dana white refuses to pay these fighters a lot of money like we spoke about how the UFC revenue split with fighters is something close to 20 to 80% with 80% mm -hmm. of profits going to the UFC where NFL, NBA, MLB are closer to 50%. Mm -hmm. uh, Dana White bet a million dollars on Ben Askren. <laughs> he would never pay Ben Askren a million dollars, but he bet a million dollars on Ben Askren yesterday and lost. And it's hurting his sport because MMA fighters are looking worse and he's betting on it, but he refuses to pay them more. It's just, it's a circle of stupidity. Yeah, I, I still want to fight Dana White too, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, so that, that's who we fight this week. It's just frustrating. That's funny. Yeah, but, that, that is frustrating. But, I mean, all in all, I would still love to see Tyrone Woodley box him. Uh, I exactly. Think, I, but I yeah. want to see Tyrone Woodley fight him. Or I want to see, like, all right, we do one boxing match. Actually, let's do a fight where one round boxing, one round MMA. Oh, like one, that'll never happen. 
I, I'm with so you. you. I'm a hundred percent with you. Yes. But like, I just don't foresee that ever happening. It's just so frustrating to see only James Tony was, who was a boxer and like a legend of a boxer went into MMA. Yes. No, he there did was it someone he was else. Old. There was someone else as well. As Ray, Ray Mercer. That's Ray right. Mercer. Ray Mercer. That's right. Yes. Ray Mercer's a legend too, but Ray Mercer, yeah, took out Tim Sylvia, mm -hmm. a former UFC heavyweight champion. But that's when Tim Sylvia was also just like dead and not training. I don't know Tim Sylvia. I'm just saying he did not look good. Yeah. And yeah, James Tony didn't look good either. And so this really comes down to like capitalism and money where you're never seeing these people in their prime or people with money fighting because they don't want to risk their current business. Yeah. And so you, it's just, you're going to see more sideshows. But I love the sideshow too a little. It's hard for me to stop. Ty when Tyrone Woodley and that guy Jay Leon Love were talking shit and you saw Jay Leon Love mm -hmm. being like, oh, I'm a fighter too. And he's like, I won't fuck with you. Your stock is down. And Tyrone Woodley's like, oh, my stock's down? I'm a five-time champion. And he's like, you're yeah. chasing clout. They're both right. Dude, yeah. I mean, I would love to see more boxing and more MMA fights that aren't even so focused on like rankings for sure. Like I'm okay with this circus if there's like a point. Like we had Russ on the podcast last week. I would pay for Russ versus Hans Molenkamp. And if that's not big enough draw, cool. Then do Dom Cruz versus Hans Molenkamp. People are still going to buy that because there's so many beef. People. So yeah. many people. I don't understand why those things aren't happening. Why aren't promoters contacting those people? I mean, Hans, he's probably just refusing to. They probably are. But I'm just saying that, you know, seeing this type of stuff, a Tyrone Woodley, it just, they should be taking these angles more. And I think fighters, instead of relying on their promotions to create these fights for them, these fighters are actually in a lot more control nowadays with social media to basically be picking their own fights. If fighters were able to promote themselves, I think you'd see a lot of cards like this Jake Paul Ben Askren. But I would also argue that it might also be really successful. Like maybe now is the time to change these tides. I think you're totally right. And that's clearly where this is headed. I mean, Conor McGregor always spoke about starting a Conor McGregor promotions. Khabib, that, yeah. Khabib, now that he's retired, bought uh, MMA organization i think it was in russia called guerrilla fighting and he changes the eagle fighting championship something mm. like that all these people are getting into their own promotion and if you want to just even look at the business side of things dana white when he talks about the progress that the ufc is making he often references social media numbers now about how many youtube hits they're getting how many instagram follows they have right. and and every follower is money and so now fighters now this is trickling down to fighters where they're realizing, oh, shit, I'm up to like 800,000. Like, you know, that's a decent amount. Oh, yeah. I mean, look how much fighters are commenting now on every post. Even if you went like four years ago, fighters weren't commenting on anything. And now they're commenting. You can find their comments everywhere on every post. Sometimes I hate it, though, because like I still relate social media sometimes to like teenage girls so i'm like get off social media <laughs> like you're supposed to be a badass Jorge Masvidal Amen. like don't get into these twitter feuds it's like or like showing me like a cool picture like teenage I'm girls are a huge market they run <laughs> the music industry right so let's not squash that no but i don't want i get it yeah acting like teenage girls like mm -hmm. sometimes so dude but it's all about money. Everything's about money. And I feel like that's kind of what this episode is about a little bit. Like it is about like, how is money changing these fights? And we've touched upon it with like how fighter pay. And this is just the next step in what happens when there is not good fighter pay. It's going to lead to these types of events, but sometimes they could be great. This is just the first version of it. Like it's starting. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I agree. But so do you, would you agree that if, it makes more money and it has more eyeballs that it is better. No, because I still, I still did enjoy the Robert Whitaker, Kevin Gals, Kelvin Gastel fight so much more We're because of the art. And so like, I like both, but like in the end, if I had a choice between like all the best sideshow fights in the world, or like, let me watch the greatest in the world do it in, like, an Olympic style, like, Mount Olympus. Like, who are the real champions of Earth? Like, I want to I see the champions. Okay. All right. 
I, I'm tempted to believe that there's a world for both. I agree with you. Definitely okay. there's a world for right. both. I, I thought you were telling me to pick one. I, yeah, had to I was, pick one. I was. I, 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 yeah, I, I did do that to you. And then I kind of just sidestepped and went, no, play both. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Arturo's but... verbal jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but um, let's let's talk about uh, Whitaker Gaston because uh, I I love that fight. Yes, right. Like just like the fighter profile where we talked about Robert Whitaker and how good of a dude he was mm-hmm. and a great fighter. Yep. Yesterday was just a total reflection of that again of just how good of a dude he is and how great of a fighter he is. Uh, he picked apart Kelvin Gastelum for five rounds. He hurt him bad every time. Kelvin Gastelum still kept moving forward, would never stop. He's a truck, man. Yeah. God tier chin. He's just like built like a refrigerator and has a big Mexican head and just Mexican heart too. And yeah, it was just an incredible fight, like takedowns, like striking, some back and forths. Like, I feel like if you'd want to teach somebody about martial arts or MMA, I feel like it's a good fight to show them to like as an introductory. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I mean, even though it was definitely like a shellacking, I don't think there was at any point where I'm like, Gaslam can turn this around. But it was definitely a good masterclass for Robert Whitaker and the skill level he has, especially to help regain a, a rematch versus Izzy. Uh, I think that's definitely the fight to make. If you look at like how Izzy did against Gaslam, I know that fight math doesn't always work out like that. But if you look at like Izzy versus Gaslam, how that was like a five round war. And then if you look at how Whitaker Gastelum was and Whitaker just kind of ran through him and then to see that Izzy kind of like stopped Whitaker and you're like, oh, maybe Whitaker is a lot better or and or Gastelum's worse. But it definitely makes sense for that fight to happen again. Is this, this would be like the first rematch of Izzy's career. So it's kind of interesting to see. Like imagine a Whitaker winning and now there's a rubber match or something. There's just there's just a lot. A lot going on here and then if izzy does win that rematch oh gosh i don't know what you do yeah i'm glad you brought up the mma math because i was thinking about that and mm-hmm. mma math for the people listening is like rock paper scissor you know like rock beats scissor but scissor beats paper but paper beats rock yep. and with calvin gaslam being a similar opponent to robert whitaker and israel adesanya yeah adesanya and gaslam was a war but Israel did finish him where yes. Whitaker, Whitaker dominated Gaslam but couldn't finish him and so that's also interesting in and yeah. of itself yeah yeah I just I also feel like Izzy took a lot more damage in the Gaslam fight where Whitaker yeah. I mean Whitaker did have like a bloody nose he he what's crazy about Gaslam is if you would have not even watched the fight and just look at Whitaker and Gaslam after the fight You'd probably say that Gastelum won. Yeah, or it'd be close. Yeah. Whitaker wears Whitaker wore the punches well. Yeah, like that's so crazy to me how tough Gastelum is. <laughs> but definitely he dealt more damage to Izzy than he did to Whitaker. And just for people that like watch that look at like Kelvin Gastelum's record, you're gonna see like a lot of losses. And you might just think, oh, Gastelum's not good. That's just because he only fights like champions and great people. And when he loses, the only knockout loss he had was uh, against Israel Adesanya, and that was in the fifth round at the very end after a war. Everything yeah. else, he's, he's lost so many split decisions. Like, he's a warrior. And so sometimes you have to go in-depth into, like, the fighter more than just the record. If Whitaker. you don't know Gastelum that well, then just watch the Israel Adesanya-Gastelum fight because I think it's actually the best modern era MMA fight I may have ever seen. So you watch it and you'll understand everything about both those two fighters. I think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like, you'll like almost like see who they are in their souls as fighters. And then you'll just also catch one of the greatest MMA matches of all time. So uh, that's definitely worth your time. So another just final thing about Robert Whitaker's like sweetness and like decency as a human being, like after, after he won the fight, you could just see he was like smiling, like he felt good. Whitaker's like notorious for hating cutting weight. So he just wants to go home and eat pizza and like play video games. You know, after the fight, immediately after the fight, they're like, 
all right, so, you know, Israel Adesanya is probably watching this. Like, what do you have to say to him? And, you know, Whitaker before has said, like, I don't really like Israel Adesanya, but they wanted a soundbite, like, oh, fuck Israel Adesanya. Whitaker just goes right away, you know, total respect to Adesanya. He's just like a great fighter. You know, he's amazing at what he does. And at that very moment, Israel Adesanya put a tweet out that goes, good job to my son. You know, like part congratulatory, oh. part like you're my son. And so they go to Whitaker. Oh, by the way, Israel Asanya just said this. How do you feel about it? We don't, we think there's a little sarcasm in there. And Whitaker laughs and goes, you know what? He won the last fight, so he's going to be the one trash talking, whatever. But I still respect him and I'm going to go home and work hard. And I just love it. Yeah. How do you not love a human being like that? That just is so aware. And he's like, I don't care about the showmanship game i'm not gonna fake anger i'm gonna go it's home. not even that he's nice it's the fact that like even when you're dealing like heat to him he cracks a smile and he yeah. has like a sense of humor about it it's, it's, it's anyone anyone that has like a good sense of humor even when they're being like reams or something automatically i mean at least to me and i think to most people makes you really likable great point it's not him just saying nice things pretending to be nice he smiles like it's the body language you mm -hmm. know he's a decent humble dude and yeah. like, he he reiterated it again at the press conference because then i listened to the press conference and they're like oh israel said this and he's like you win you're allowed to trash talk a little whatever and they're like do you still not like him and he goes i used to say i don't like him but now i understand he's doing what he needs to do for the game and the money. And so it's what we're talking about with clout. And like, I just respect Whitaker because he walks the walk and talks the talk and he's authentic. And so yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope a lot of our listeners become more like bigger fans of Robert Whitaker because he might be the best dude in MMA. Me too. I'm with you. That's one of the, it's one of the good guys I like. Exactly. And, and you always said it was one of your goals in this podcast that hopefully we bring new people to the sport. And so I hope we can do that. Yes. Yes. All right. And speaking of that fight, the rest of the card I thought was good too. They had that Arlovsky still doing the thing at 42 years old. He's won three of his last four fights. It's refreshing to see at 42 years old, he's still doing that former champion. I think he competed at like UFC 20 or some shit. Like it's an insane thing to even think about like how long he's been doing this. His first UFC 28. Well, that's Okay. Exactly my point. We're at UFC 261 next. It was in November. It was November 17th, 2000 in Atlantic City. <laughs> 21 <laughs> years man. ago. My of, man. Somebody of drinking age is Arlovsky's fight career. Yep. That's nice. And he's, he's fought warriors. Uh, Sambo champion too. Right, like has used to win so many different ways, TKOs, missions. Yeah. Now he's yeah, so, yeah, it's great to see yeah. him. Yeah, I love I love Arlovsky. I'm always gonna tune into one of his fights, man. I, that guy's do or die on his sword, man, for sure. Uh, and I thought the rest of the UFC card was good too. Definitely, definitely fight wise, way more entertaining than that Ben Askren, Jake Paul card. <laughs> right, there was a lot of like first round like heated exchanges. It was pretty good. I, I'm, I'm, I was really happy with that card. You want to talk about the next UFC card? Because it's a mega card. Yes. Let's okay. talk about the next UFC. I think that let's get them ready for it. There's two fights I'd like to talk about that I think okay. are worth talking about. Okay. I, uh, I'd like to say there's more than, there's at least three fights that are like talk worthy. Um, you know, you're right. But one of them is Valentina Shevchenko, right? Uh, yeah, that's a big deal. I feel like she's going to win though. That's why I was like kind of like... Bro, People keep doing this to Andrade. I make so much money on Andrade. It's so, what a shame. You know what? I'm probably going to bet on Andrade too. Even though I do give this to Valentina, I just, I always keep betting on Andrade because she's been an underdog like her last like three or four fights and she's crushing them. Yeah. And she looks I just improved don't... every single fight. People don't talk about her and I don't understand why. You're totally right. I just think Valentina Shevchenko is like one of these bond villains like she's like this attractive russian woman that she is has totally studied. a video game character yeah, yeah, yeah. she's she studied all the fighting techniques speaks like seven languages is very smart well-spoken like great smile happy friendly and 
Like she just has like all these skills or sometimes I'm just like, oh yeah, she's going to win, whatever. Yo, and she's that a street is... fighter character. You know why? Because even after her fight's over, she does the same dance after every fight, just like in Street Fighter when they do, when they do like their <laughs> fucking thing, right? Like, yeah, she is a fucking character for sure. And, and, and I mean that in the best way. And that's, yeah. that's why sometimes champions are underrated because we stop caring about them because it's not like, it's not that we disrespect them. It's just almost like, oh yeah, they're going to win. And so I just did that with her. Right. All right. Yeah. I'm going to make the case for Andrade. Andrade is a freaking tank. Way more of a tank than Shevchenko. Shevchenko's light. Andrade is a tank. She's coming up. Like she just came down to this weight class. I don't even know how she makes the cut. She's thick. She's, she's good all around. Like she's one of the few fighters that I think could actually do it all. Like she's got her striking has gotten a lot better. Her head movement looks pretty good. Like, I don't, yeah, I still still think Shevchenko wins this stand-up event. But in terms of wrestling, Andrade all day. In terms of jujitsu, I think it's kind of close. I might actually give it to Andrade. Andrade's power is crazy. Like, she has multiple knockout from slams. Yeah, that is true. Okay, now you sold me on the fight. See? Yeah. And you know what? I haven't even looked at the odds, but I can almost guarantee Andrade is going to be like plus 200 or more. And that's enough to put a small wager on. Shevchenko only has three losses, and two of them are to the GOAT, Amanda Nunes. Right. And Amanda Nunes is a bigger fighter. And now you're coming in with Andrade, who is a definite bigger fighter. So. It should be interesting. And I'm not saying she has Nunes-type skills, but I don't know if she needs that to beat Shevchenko. Okay, very interesting. Very interesting. Let's let's run this up. I, I think that that's fine. Let's talk Rose versus Sang. Yeah. Th- okay. So, as you can see, there's going to be a theme with me. Sometimes I'm more interested in the background story, which gets me interested in the fight. And Ooh, okay, so I- here we go. I liked like, how they were making a big deal about like the geopolitics of this fight. Because Rose has family from Lithuania. Some of her family suffered from the communist invasions of the past. And Wei Li is from China, obviously a communist nation that has a lot of negatives on their record at the moment. And basically, like, Rose was, like, looking at this as, like, Rocky IV, like, I'm taking out the communists. And I just thought it was, like, interesting. And it just, I kind of liked a little bit about that background. Well, well, I think maybe we should make it clear exactly what she said. Yeah, what did she say? Elaborate. She said, better dead than red. <laughs> Which is, that's pretty rough, man. That, that, that's especially in today's climate. Saying something like that is pretty rough. You're going to get some backlash for that one. Yeah, and it is tricky because when people talk about, look, I talk shit about the stuff that I don't like in America all the time. But I can in America because the worst thing that happens to me is like maybe I lose my job or some people I know get pissed at me. Mm. Where in China, you say something negatively about the government, you can end up in jail and even your family can suffer. And so Mm. sometimes you don't know how certain people feel while they're in China, what they're speaking on behalf of China. So when Rose was saying that was... She's saying it just as a whole thing on communism as well, or do you think she was like pointedly? I mean, either way, that's still that's still a loaded statement. Like, yes. Do you think based on someone's political views, they should be dead? No, because I told you, I just saw a street fight with like a neo-Nazi that like is giving me PTSD, and people were like, "This neo-Nazi stabbed somebody in the throat and like got away with murder, or like he did ten years and then now he's free." And even after I heard that, I was like, I know, but I still feel a little bad. So let's go into the actual fight then. Do you think this helps Thug Rose that she has like some background political hate almost to help fuel her for this fight? Do you think that helps her chances in this fight? No, no. Okay. This is all right, just all right. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's her motivation. And like, that's how she's like, I'm doing this for capitalism okay. and the free world. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know what, you know? Okay, so when you say it that way, she can only answer that question. You know, okay, I mean, all right. I, I could, I, I don't think it's gonna have that much of an impact because once you're like a champion, I feel like you have skills and you understand hard work and you're gonna put in the hard work. If she needs a little bit of that, good for her. I think you have to do things to psych yourself up. So maybe that's just what she decided to do. I'm gonna psych myself up. 
Yeah, because there was talks that people weren't sure if she was still into fighting or not. And so maybe that's how she's getting herself back in. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I hope that's not the case. Okay. Let's just cut to the chase. Who do you think wins that fight? I I don't know. To me, it's like a coin flip. Both of those fighters just seem strong, aggressive, have tons of talent. They're both like, uh, it's like a cockfight. Like, you know, like these two vicious, like chickens, like attacking each other. I'll tell you right now, I disagree. You you see, okay, but you, you know, truthfully, I love the women fighters watching them, but I don't have that same, I don't know enough about them. Okay. Where like I feel like I know a lot of the background. I thought I was smelling like a super sexist statement coming, but damn. All right. <laughs> I tried not to make it sexist. No, when, I, when women first started fighting in MMA, I couldn't watch it. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, I don't like it. And I just didn't think it was like natural. Like I thought it was natural, but I just felt like I felt bad watching it. And then I think as I don't know what it was, it didn't feel it like it felt more like street fighty, like less like skillish. But I feel like as it's gone on, everybody's getting better and better and better. And I'm seeing okay. like some of the greatest fights, the Joanna Janjacek, who did she fight? She had the great Bangalore trilogy. Life? Yeah, that, that was one of the greatest fights Incredible. I've ever seen. Yep. So I'm, I didn't mean it in a sexist way. I just don't know enough about all of them. Okay. So I actually think Zeng Weilei steamrolls her. Really? I don't, I don't mean to ne- minimize Doug Rose because I think she is so freaking talented i just think zeng Lei is the biggest tank this woman's division has ever seen so you think it's her physicality that's gonna do it no so okay so physicality doesn't overcome skill but if skill is close physicality can't and yes i think there's a huge physicality advantage on this against really yeah if we're getting into like any time if if this fight goes against the cage at all zeng Lei gets a finish Okay. Do you think you, you've yeah. seen in the Olympics, you've seen in the Olympics, like some of these communist countries like Russia and China, all people cheat. Lance Armstrong cheated. But I feel like sometimes the communist countries sponsor the cheating a little bit because they oh, want to okay. prove that their people are the best. Do you think there's any chance that she's been on roids or PDs or anything like that? Fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. She's probably one of my top picks. Of like, yeah, I yeah. 100%. See, this is why money makes everything bad though because China's such a huge market. I feel like they will let I don't know if they will, but like, you know, if you bring I mean, money in, you're still you, going to test her, you know, but they're always ahead of the game. I mean, China's exactly. done that with a lot of their sports. Like I follow weightlifting pretty closely, and China is routinely crushing weightlifting. Yeah. And then they get busted and they come back like the same people that got busted. Okay. Now they don't get busted for the next two, three Olympics and they're still competing those same people. And you're like, and the numbers are improving. And you're like, (laughs) especially for like, you know, like literally like strength style sports. And you're like, all right, well they popped and you caught them then, but now you're not catching the second, third Olympics. They're still getting stronger. And they're like, (laughs) all right. Which just means like your tests aren't working too well then, I think, you know, like, or you're telling me that that what they popped for wasn't necessary. That's what you're saying then, you know, like. Or Arturo, the motherland of China just produces the world's greatest athletes. (laughs) They do do a lot of that, like, oh, hey, you have this physicality and you have this physicality. Okay, we're forcing you to breed. They do yes. that. So. That's why Yao Ming, Yao Ming's father and mother were both Olympians that were super tall. And the Chinese government was like, hey, we think you guys would be good together. And yep. they just genetically produced Yao Ming, like a guy who dominated Shaq, you know, yeah, at so, one point physicality. Okay, to, I'll, I'll illuminate you a little bit on weightlifting. So the sport of weightlifting makes money in China as Olympic sport. What they do is at four years old, They actually have criteria based on like physical things. Like when the babies go to their doctors, there's actually like questions that they answer based on their physicality before the government will come in and be like, oh, we think your son or daughter would be good for this particular sport. We think they should train at the Olympic training center and so on. And they basically just, they basically get the parents to agree like, okay, cool. And now you're not going to see your son or daughter for the next, you know, 12 years. 
It's um, so And this insane. is the story of like the world's greatest weightlifter, Lu Zhaozhen. Uh, well, they even do things like, um, like I think like they asked Lu Zhaozhen, when's the last time you've seen your parents? He's like, two Olympics ago? And you're like, oh my God, that's so crazy. Like, oh my you know, God. Eight years, you're like, that's crazy. Uh, they even have like criteria. They even think like there's a certain skin tone of the Chinese that do better in weightlifting. So based on like what their skin looks like, yeah, there's a whole like their, their femur length, all these different things that they do to kind of like, oh, this is this will make a good weightlifter. So they do that in addition to PEDs, in addition to good technique and all this, like a good build. So you're like, mm-hmm. oh, makes sense. They're dominating, right? The great. Yeah, great analogy. That's going to so be... Now, if MMA is something that's going to produce money or notoriety or some clout in the world, of course they're going to run through this. Mm-hmm. Right? If you have a billion people, your chances are that you, instead of having one great fighter, there's probably a few in that mix. 100%. 100%. And one thing, too, about just China taking advantage of fighters... Like at one point, China hated Bruce Lee. Like they didn't really consider Bruce Lee as like a native son. Part of what Bruce Lee taught was learn something from everyone, you know, and like go around the world, teach everybody everything. Yeah. But then once Bruce Lee died, they're like, oh, yeah, we fucking love Bruce Lee. And now it's like the, you know, like this hero, which is awesome. But hopefully people go deeper into these types of things. Yeah. Understand the full story. Yeah, I think China will definitely come out with more MMA fighters as the years go on. You're seeing it a little bit more just in the Asian community in general, but I think China will definitely become a big player soon. And I think Zhang Weilei is just kind of one of the early people, and I think she's going to dominate for a while. Is it racist if whenever I'm watching fights, if one of the fighters is Asian, I always root for them? Oh, this is funny. Okay, so I was... Oh, man, I expected that statement to be a lot more racist than it was, so... I tried to not make it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But I guess I guess if you're saying because they're Asian, you think they're going to win, then yes, that would be a form of racism, no? No, I, no, I didn't say I think they're going to win. I root for them to win. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's even worse than I guess. But, uh... <laughs> Why is that worse? Because then it's like, oh, I like it, which See, is I just always like... Think- no, because I think of Asians as the underdog. So in every sport, I always root for the underdogs. And so oh. like what you said, it's a new sport in China. And also like Asian people tend to be a little bit smaller. Wait, why? Oh, okay. There you go. So I'm smaller. smaller. Oh, you're weaker. Like, no, Asians never did the weight cut as well as like Americans or Europeans. Like, you know, mm. like there's like some discrepancy. And so like. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that? So you 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 already said it is a little racist, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just I, mean, I just brought that up because I'm talking shit about China, so I just want people to know though. But I still root for. Yeah, I mean, well, it's technically you are Asian, you know, like I am Asian. Yeah, that's my wife me, yeah. is Asian. My kids are Asian, right? Like, so let's not, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, uh, okay, but no, I mean, <laughs> gosh, I do think like. Asians are known more for like traditional martial arts. So there's a lot of identification with that. I think a lot of Asians are known for being lighter, but very fast and martial artists. So like, yeah, it's almost like you just, when you think of an Asian that's in a fight, you would probably assume a bunch of things. I don't think it's racist because I don't think there's any bad connotations that come with that. Yeah. Okay. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. I was just thinking about like, people i think like i always loved bj penn because of you but then i also found out he was like half korean and i just was like oh so like right now he there is like a asian champion mm, you know so mm. I, I thought that was like kind of cool yeah. it's just interest i love where all these fighters come from like this is yeah. half the reason well, I, I love think, the ufc is geography of everything yeah well I, I think that that plays into like i think asians in general are a, a people that are built on like honor and respect and so even a culture that's not built on that respects that. And so they'll root for the Asian guy or gal as well, yeah. just because they're like, they're so classy. They're so honored. Like, <laughs> you know, like it means so much to them. And you're like, yeah, like that's everyone respects that about Asian culture. So I can see an inclination for most people to root for an Asian in that instance. Okay. I, 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 I like what you're saying. Let me uh, transition now to... Yeah slightly more geography talk, but about 
the next fight, the main event, yes, which is Jorge Masvidal, whose father came from riding tires, literally strapping four tractor trailer tires together to like make his way over to Florida, right? Escape communism in Cuba versus Kamara Usman, who was born in Nigeria and grew up in Nebraska. And uh, I just think these are also two fighters of incredible stories. They already fought once and Usman dominated the fight. But yeah. uh, I think I think I also just like their background story as well. You know, UFC is like wrestling, but with real stories. Yeah, I, I think the more time goes on, the professional wrestling will come out more in MMA. And that's not a bad thing. Well, definitely not for me, but I don't think that's a bad thing in terms of more eyeballs, more entertainment, more money. I think that's good. It is good, but that's it's just to me, there's sometimes it could be dirty. Stories sell fights. I know stories sell fights, but then that's why I compared it to porn earlier because it's like, what kind of story is it? Is it just pure sleaze or is it like Mm, Shawshank Redemption? mm, 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 You know, like, yeah, again, though, it needs a story. A fight without a story has to be a hell of a fight. Yes. No, I agree. And I think that's one of the things I want us to get out of this podcast, show people really good stories, like right. behind yeah. it, you know? Yeah. And if you have a great story, but the fight sucks, that still hurts too. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think the UFC sometimes doesn't highlight the stories. They'll go for the lowest hanging fruit. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And yeah, I don't know why. All sports, not just UFC. Maybe that's not to give too much power to the fighter. Maybe sell them so high. They don't need you anymore. It's also like, you know, they do it in the NFL draft where it's like every sad thing that's ever happened to that person. Like they have to highlight. And sometimes I'm like, yo, why don't you highlight like how amazing he trains or like how, you know, like some of like the positive things or like his beliefs, like how this movie inspired him. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's just whatever. Just that was a little quirk, but I'm, I'm not that excited for this Usman Masvidal fight because I feel like it's going to go exactly the same way as the first one, but I'm still excited to watch it. All right. So I think a lot of people think that, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to go exactly like the first one. I'm actually, I'm actually predicting a finish on this one. With Usman winning? Yes. But I'm also more inclined to say that there will be a finish regardless. Really? So where would you put the odds? If they fight 10 times, how many times do you think Masvidal wins? Seven. You think Masvidal wins oh, sorry, seven? Sorry. I'm sorry. Usman wins seven out of 10 times. Sorry. Usman wins seven out of 10 times. Yes. All right. But 30% is a decent clip. 30%. Yeah. Like he still has a legit shot, like more than I think he did last time. How do you think Masvidal can win? I think Masvidal can win if he can keep distance and if he has great conditioning. I worry about Masvidal's conditioning. And this is partially because of social media, because I feel like he's just hanging out a lot. Like a lot of you right. you're rich I mean, now. But then again, he didn't have a full camp. So how good was his conditioning the first time? Even though he lasted all five rounds, he didn't really, though. Like he definitely faded a bit. And the thing about yeah. Masvidal is he loves to get into the trenches and throw. But I think Masvidal's best chance of success, because Usman's got a good jab, but I do think Masvidal has some of the best boxing. So if he were able to just keep it to just jabs and straights and not get baited into the close distance hooks and stuff like that, hooks, body shot, uppercut, like try to just like out basic the guy. I think he can win. Okay. Should and we then do a like quick when little... he does go to shoot, you know, like if, if, if you can keep Usman frustrated on the outside, let's just say, right. Jab straights, keep him frustrated on the outside. You know, Usman's going to try to pressure you to the cage and or get a takedown. So that's when you just time your knee. So just keep using the jab straights, keep using your angles to get out to the sides, not get backed up against the cage. And when he does get frustrated and tries to shoot, you deliver the knee and you got your stoppage. But wait for the power. Don't just try to like trade the power because while you're trying to trade power with a guy that doesn't want to trade power and is going to mix up the takedowns with it. 
Yeah. I think that's Masvidal's key to success. Now, does he do that? Small chances, but I think that's how he would, that's how I would say he would win. And does Usman allow Masvidal to even do that? Because Usman's also been working on his striking a ton with Trevor Whitman and he looked good against Colby. He did great. Yeah. He could mix it up well. I, Always liked Masvidal. Masvidal used to be a street fighter with during like the Kimbo Slice days. He was like, oh, like yeah, he was a journeyman. But that mm-hmm. just means to me, you're good enough to always be fighting and always be hired and always be game and always be enter- entertaining. So, like we mentioned about Calvin Gaston, that's a good I don't thing. Care if some, yeah, it's a good thing. Like yeah. people always use this shit on Eli Manning. Like, oh, he just has really good stats because he played a lot. He played a lot because he was really good. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, like, that's yeah. That's like that's the designation sometimes people get where they so, they rather okay. somebody be really great at one point and then nothing at all, right? It, it, rather than being good forever. And Masvidal's right. been good forever. Then when he just came back against Darren Till and uh, Cerrone, and then the great knockout against Aspirin, he just reached like the stratosphere of. Nate Diaz, I'm sorry, the Nate Diaz one, he just reached stratosphere popularity where I was like, thank, good for him because now he's making millions and now he's going to be able to provide for everybody. Yeah. But then also I was like, is he going to lose his edge that he always had? And I'm like, right. I won. Yeah, so that, that's why I'm saying bet on a finish more than anything because I think you're going to see an even better Masvidal or a worse Masvidal. You're not going to see the same Masvidal. Okay, that, that, that's good. And you're also going to see Usman that doesn't want to win another five-round decision because he already won a five-round decision. Yeah, and- yeah. I mean, there's more on Masvidal than Usman. I think Usman's game is not very... I mean, Usman has finishes on his... Like, he is... He can finish people. I just think Masvidal's a hard finish unless, basically, Masvidal finishes himself, like, with, you know, poor training or something. yeah. Usman hat doesn't have many finishes on his record. He did TKO Kilbert Burns though his last fight. Yeah, he did TKO cool. Colby Covington, but okay. he dominated that fight. He dominated Tyrone Woodley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure he dominated Dos Anjos. Mm-hmm. Maya he beat, but Maya did really well against him. Um, then he had another KO against Sergio Morales. But Usman is ranked currently in the UFC as the number two pound for pound fighter. Whoa. Um, he has an incredible jab. He looks like a Greek god. Like, he's just cut, jacked. Like, Masvidal in the offseason, he admits he gets fat. Like, he gains 25 pounds. Like, oh, wow. Usman just looks like just a jacked dude. Like, always yeah, in shape. He's he our so modern-day GSP. Exactly. That's what I was getting to. And he might be one of these champions that we're just underrating. Like I said earlier, because they're just so good. Like, Shevchenko. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm really on the Usman train of like how great he is. I wasn't yeah. initially on his come up. I was not until he was basically number one contender, or he got his title shot. Once he earned the number one contender, I forget what fight that was, but that's when I was like, oh no, he is really good. Yeah, and then just yeah. the last few fights, like just seeing what he does, like. When he shoots for the takedown and it gets stuffed, he does, throws the upward elbow and then goes back to the touch, the takedown. Like he's mixing up all the realms of martial arts. That's the key. The martial artist is the one that can like freestyle it, the one that can mix them, not like, okay, striking's not work going for the takedown. No, this is the guy that uses the striking into the takedown and goes back to the striking again. Like he's able to blend it all so, so well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I was going to say like Masvidal's strength when it comes to his mental strength, I feel like Masvidal has no fear. He seems like the type of guy, yeah. he's never missed a weight cut. He's very professional and he's fought since he's a kid on the street. He loves fighting. And if I was going to talk about uh, Usman's greatest mental strength, I feel like Usman has incredible discipline. Like I feel like he does everything that's needed to win and succeed and that's why i'm also kind of like picking him because the fear thing helps you but i don't think the fear thing matters once you're going against the greats because at that point none of them are really that scared Mm. yeah no no i i I see that completely and i and i i would agree with that yeah but i hope 
I would love to see Masvidal win because I know I am a little like down on Masvidal now with all the social media stuff, but I would love to see a new champion. Yeah, I mean, if Masvidal wins, (laughs) now you have like the big rubber match or maybe Masvidal goes with Kobe, who who knows. But either way, you still have an incredible division of matchups if Masvidal wins. When we talk about dream fights, that'll be my dream fight. Masvidal Colby would be so great. That's a real wrestling because yeah. Colby Covington and Masvidal used to be best friends. There's like videos of them being roomies together, like wrestling in their like shitty apartment. And now they're pretty much one, two, three in the world in mm-hmm. fighting. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to be a great fight. But that's only if Masvidal wins. Actually, if Masvidal loses, that's still a money fight to make. Yeah, but I think Kobe's going to want Usman and not Masvidal. I don't know. Maybe it depends. If if Masvidal has a poor showing, then maybe Kobe's like, ah, it's an easy match. I'll just take that and then fight Usman. I'm just wondering what does Usman do if not Kobe? I think Usman called out Masvidal, and this is the theme of today's episode, because he knew Masvidal would make him the most money. Right. So I feel like whoever whoever's going to make him the next amount of most money is who Usman is going to call out next. And he's going to be because Usman believes he could beat anybody in the world. And he's that disciplined and confident where he maybe can. And so, yeah, it would be, I think At he's just going to call out whoever he's brings the money. 100% right. Yeah. I, so whatever's the money fight, he's going to pick. It's a shame that there hasn't been any talk about like Usman Izzy. My dream fight would have been Usman Khabib. If Khabib was still around, I would have loved yeah. to. That's like my dream, dream, dream fight. Because if Khabib be beats true. Usman, then Khabib is go. Yeah. If he did that. If you do. All right. So, yeah. Oh, gosh. All right. So let's talk about the dream matchups on our next podcast, because I think we have a ton. And that yeah, can kind of no, be a I'm good gonna, debate, not, too. Yeah, yeah. We, we have right. a lot. To yeah. Let's come back with like a top five, maybe each of us for like dream matchups that either never happened or you can make happen, whatever. Yeah. And let's also make it. It doesn't necessarily have to be all UFC. Like it could be like. AC Slater versus Zach Morris, but like real, <laughs> real fighting. Or, okay, fine. You know, fine. If, if you want it bad enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm cool with that because there's some other matchups I can think of. Yeah. Interspecies, intergender, inter-Marvel <laughs> world, ultimate fights, like one of the greatest fights ever that could be made. I mean, we have to keep it – we should keep it somewhat realistic though, right? Because <laughs> then – because then I'm going to open the door and be like, all right, there's three Henry Cejudo's beat one Francis Naganu. Yes, I want to do that. I want to have that conversation Okay, as you well. do want- <laughs> I, I, I also want to do like a Magneto versus like Bret Hart or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an easy one, but okay. I, know, I get what I you're going at. All right, fine. That'll be it's- the next episode. We'll, I think we could do a whole episode just on that. That's no, fair. we'll make we'll make it somewhat serious, but let's also have some fun too. Okay, all right, fair enough. We'll 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 keep that for next time. Maybe if the listeners have uh, one or something that they might want us to debate over, that could be fun too. I'm sure they will. Um, Craig, I'm coming for you, bro. Listening <laughs> <laughs> uh, till the end. Yes. Be one of those people. All right. <laughs> That's funny, Craig. Uh, speaking of Craig, updating uh, listeners, Craig has professionally wrestled now the last couple of weekends, I believe. Now he seems like he's being he's trending to be routinely booked as um, Reptilio is his persona right now. Reptilio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's damn good at it too, man. The guy's entertaining. He's definitely meant to do it. Yeah, I love Craig. I'm happy to hear good things happening to Craig. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Appreciate all the support, guys. Yes, yes. Thank you. All right. I guess that's it. We can sign off on this. Right on. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.